0: My name is Volker Kruger and i got Esmarie McCallaghan and Johannes Mogutidi lined up for you today here on Weiterberg Stereo. from Verandaffee Legal News is the name of the programme. Esmarie will firstly talk to us about a far-reaching constitution, constitutional court case regarding cell phone tracking and other surveillance actions of the state. That's going to be an interesting discussion, I I think. And then secondly, our labor law expert, Johannes, will be talking to us about the question as to whether you can force your employees to get a vaccination against COVID-19. You're welcome to send us your emails with questions and comments to info at vvd.co.za. My name is Volker Kruger. You're listening to From Fair Duffy Legal News here on Waterbach Studio. The program is uh, sponsored by the Wetten De, de Brokers here in Rustenburg. I've got uh, Ismarie McCallaghan here with me, and we're going to discuss a recent constitutional court case with uh, what uh, I think we can safely say far-reaching consequences for cell phone tracking and other surveillance by the state. Now, this is uh, certainly a topic that has been in the news quite often as of late, starting, for example, with the shooting of the anti-gang unit lieutenant, Colonel Charles Kinnear, where it uh, became apparent that the trigger man used a location-based service to track the detective's cell phone uh, and enabling him to ambush him outside his home and kill him. And uh, yeah, um, this uh, act that enabled or um, well, that enables uh, the state to su- do surveillance of citizens of the country now was before the Constitutional uh, Court. Uh, what's the name of the act uh, again, uh,
1: The um, The long name of the act is the Regulation of Interception of Communication and Provision of Communication-Related Information Act. It's quite a mouthful. So uh, I think user, uh, listeners will re- uh, know the act if we just refer to it as RECA, because um, everybody knows You know, when you have to RECA your cell phone, it's actually in terms of this um, act that we just refer to as RECA in short.
0: Okay. So someone took the constitutionality of this RECA um, to the Constitutional Court. And there was a judgment on this recently. So yeah, tell us the detail, please.
1: Yes, this has actually been a long time coming, this particular case. It was done by a journalist, Sam Soley of the um, Amabungani um, news outlet, um, on the basis that he previously, I think in 2008 or so, suspected that he was under surveillance. But Rika actually contains a a prohibition on anyone disclosing any information regarding surveillance. So he tried to find out whether he was the subject of surveillance, and he didn't really get anywhere until, I believe, in 2015, when in a different court case, the transcript of a telephone call with him um, in someone else's court case was attached to an affidavit and that confirmed his suspicions that indeed he was under surveillance in 2008. And when he requested the basis for on which the interception direction, which is the authorization to surveil, was granted against him, uh, the state security agency, which is the um, intelligence service in South Africa. Um, did not want to provide that to him. So he then took the constitutionality of Rica to court. In 2019, the High Court actually already declared it unconstitutional, but that had then uh, had to go to the Constitutional Court for confirmation of that. And at long last, last week on the 3rd of February, the Constitutional Court... Uh, made its judgment on RICA and also declared it uh, unconstitutional in several aspects.
0: All right, so what is the effect there? How does it uh, affect people with cell phones being chased, etc.? Uh,
1: Fulker, if you'll allow me just to give a bit of um, background to this aspect so listeners can understand why this is important for each and every South African to know about this, because I don't think a lot of people know about this or has much interest in this. But this act, uh, if you think, if you hear about surveillance being done, you'd typically think, yeah, well, this is not applicable to me. I, you know, I'm not a criminal, so I'm not under surveillance, so I don't care. This is things that happens in movies or that happens in America or, or whatever. But this is very real for all South Africans because um, there's a lot of evidence that the act and the surveillance wasn't only used for uh, criminals. The act refers to serious crimes such as human trafficking and terrorists and organized crime and things like that. But the act was really abused to a shockingly large extent for political gain and, and, you know, political power, such as, you know, the evidence showed in the Zondu Commission, for example, but that's not even the the only commission that has found this. But the the state also did bulk surveillance. Now, bulk surveillance, uh, to explain it in in very simple terms, is uh, they do surveillance on Everybody's communication, that includes internet history, location, all of that, and stores all of that data for no particular purpose other than what if one day we need it. So even if you're not a criminal, your private communications are being stored. And that is one of the major things that was also found unconstitutional because the law actually made no provision whatsoever for that type of bulk surveillance on everybody without any reason, just in case one day you might need this. Um, So this really affects each and every South African. uh, Your right to privacy, your right to a fair trial, your right to be heard, all those type of things. Um, And, you know, we should take cognizance of the fact when our rights are being infringed without any justification. So Um, The court found, in short, if I can just highlight the most important things for the purposes of listeners, is I mentioned previously that there was an absolute prohibition in the Act on anyone disclosing any information about surveillance. You'll never know if you're under surveillance. That aspect uh, in particular has been found unconstitutional, and even though the unconstitutionality of the Act has been suspended for three years to allow Parliament to rectify this, um, the Court did say that in the meantime, with immediate effect, um, certain things need to be read in into the Act. And one of those things is that within 90 days after someone has been the subject of surveillance... You have to be notified thereof. That gives you the opportunity to challenge uh, whether there were any grounds or not for someone doing surveillance on you and infringing your right to privacy. Um, so
0: they still afterwards, so they can first do the surveillance. Uh, yes. Obviously, for for crime fighting purposes, etc., it makes sense that yes. they can uh, do it. It's uh, obviously, you otherwise, it will never, yeah. never, yeah. you know, help in any sense. Um, but but then they got to notify you, no.
1: Yes, within 90 days thereafter, unless there's a specific reason that would jeopardize the surveillance or the investigation if you are notified within 90 days thereafter. So that can be extended, but for no longer than two years in total. So at the very least, after two years, then you must be notified. And they must also go back to the judge and certify that you have been notified or the judge must give permission for that 90 days to be extended each time. So that so gives citizens so so certain protection then.
0: So there's judicial oversight. The, the police, for example, can't on their own decide that the extension is justified. There's a judge that, that checks on that.
1: Yes, yes. Um, the other important thing that... Um, the, the court also looked into uh, what the apli- applicants argued in this case. Remember, this was a journalist specifically, um, but they argued that with journalists and lawyers, there should be extra safeguards because journalists have anonymous sources that they need to protect and uh, lawyers have clients that they speak to over the phone or over email or whatever. Um, and those clients have attorney-client privilege. So if lawyers or journalists are being surveilled, then it has, you know, a lot of consequences if that uh, private information or or attorney-client privilege are um, being um, exposed to, to third parties. So they've also indicated that with immediate effect, This will also be read into the Act while we await Parliament to amend it to say that if the subject of surveillance is a journalist or a lawyer, the applicant must disclose that to the judge when they apply for an interception direction so that the judge can decide whether there are additional safeguards that need to be implemented to cater for anonymous journalist sources or um, attorney-client privilege. So I think those are the the, the two most important things um, that will really have an effect on most people um, with regard to this act, and those those two things are read into the act with immediate effect. Um, and then the rest of the unconstitutionality, like we said, is suspended for three years to give Parliament the opportunity to rectify this.
0: Yeah, I guess one couldn't expect that that would then also be part of the new act that Parliament then will uh, write in these uh, three years' time, eh? because I mean, yes, the other one would also be unconstitutional. So, So I guess the judges have made it clear clear that that's the minimum sort of requirement, no?
1: Yes, they will have to. Um, It's a well-written judgment. Um, I do want to mention this problem that we had with RICA that allowed for large-scale abuse of power and corruption. This is not just a South African problem. This whole issue of surveillance and trying to find a balancing act between doing surveillance but also not overreaching when doing surveillance and unnecessarily limiting rights or infringing rights of people. This is a global problem. Each country in the world is currently struggling with striking this balance as to how far do we go, uh, what safeguards do we implement. and. In the past, I would have said South Africa is a bit behind. We need to catch up. Other countries are busy changing their laws, especially, I think, um, the listeners will remember in 2013, Edward Snowden uh, blew the whistle on America and a few other countries as well that that also abused the surveillance systems Um And after that, a major debate ensued about, you know, countries started changing their laws, but it's difficult. It takes a long time because it's difficult striking this balance because of the fact that surveillance is necessary. It is necessary to be done in secret, um, but how do you strike a balance to ensure it's not abused? So I'm hoping that with this judgment, it just puts South Africa um, a little bit uh, at the forefront and that... Perhaps other countries can you know take some tips from us and take some tips from this judgment as to how other countries' laws should also be amended. Like I said, this is not just our problem. this is a global problem with countries struggling to strike this balance.
0: Certainly, a very interesting debate on the one hand, obviously one would want to uh, want the police and all other crime-fighting institutions to use the technology available, which obviously is brief or can be very effective, I I think, in in, in combating crime. But on the other hand, you always have the risk that if it ends ends up in the wrong hands that it can be abused. So I guess, yeah, this this, uh, is a step in the right direction in terms of judicial oversight and making sure that uh, there is no abuse.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think we must remember that the state has an obligation to protect us as citizens and protect the national security of South Africa. For example, um, terrorists and organized crime organizations um, plan, for example, terrorist attacks over the internet, uh, chat platforms, uh, whichever way, cell phones or desktops, etc. How do we prevent terrorist attacks if you know, the the police don't do surveillance and intercept these communications. Terrorist attacks is not such a big problem in South South Africa as overseas, but it could be. So it's absolutely necessary for surveillance to be done, and it's absolutely necessary for it to be done in secret. Um, But indefinite secrecy is not absolutely necessary. There needs to be a line that's drawn at some point. Um, Remember, accountability and transparency are core principles of our democracy. Um, In the apartheid era, our surveillance uh, systems, our police, everyone was used to suppress the majority and to keep the the white minority in power. The same abuse of power happened in apartheid. The same abuse of power is still happening. Um, And, you know so long after apartheid, we changed the laws after apartheid, we changed the structures after apartheid, but it's still happening. So obviously we need to change more um, in order to protect at the end of the day, not only the fundamental rights of all citizens, but also our democracy.
0: It will certainly be interesting to see what the new act will look like, which, as Ismae has mentioned, has to be finalized within the next uh, three years terms of the judgment of the constitutional court. And I would say that this is also another good example of how important the role is that our constitution plays in South Africa in developing the law and adjusting the law um, in respect of new technologies that develop, uh, etc., to make sure that there are the necessary checks and balances uh, in place. Uh, so, yeah, thank you, Esme. Uh, Anything, uh, any final comments you want to add?
1: Um, no, uh, listen, Volker I can talk about this for days, so I think it's best you, you cut me off right here, <laughs> otherwise we, we might keep listeners busy for a while.
0: <laughs> okay, then I'll do that, so thank you. Esme. <laughs> My name is Falker Kruger. Uh, you're listening to Van Beldendafel Legal News on Stereo and I have a question for our labor law expert today, uh, Johannes Mokoteli that a lot of clients are Uh, I think, wondering about, a lot of our listeners probably also, can you force your employees to vaccinate against uh, COVID-19? Johannes, what do you say? Okay. Uh, It's a very
2: interesting and contentious question.
0: Uh, For now, in our
2: country, we don't have the ultimate right or no answer. Uh, But it must be remembered and noted that... um, Uh, When the president made the announcement in respect of the rollout for the vaccination, uh, he emphasized and he reiterated the fact that um, uh, no one and no one will be forced to undergo uh, or to be vaccinated. This is in principle important in a sense that um, uh, it was going to be in contravention of the constitution. Various sections in the constitution provide right of people, such as right to life, right to integrity, right to right to. Therefore, if the if it was going to be forced upon people, therefore that was that that is going to be against the constitution. Now uh, the question is, you as an, an employer in this circumstance, what do you do? We know for a fact that uh, in our country we don't have. Um, right policies or the correct policies in dealing with the questions. We don't have uh, the laws in dealing with the questions. Uh, we must all remember that um, in terms of the, uh, the the Employment Equity Act, specifically in Section 7, which deals, with, um, um, uh, which deals with the question of whether the employees could be tested for COVID. Uh, this is actually a different setup in that you are going now to be to be, uh, 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 to be vaccinated now in terms of whether you could be uh, tested the, the, the act is very clear and simple that uh, 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 under certain circumstances your uh, employer could uh, force you to because of certain situations and conditions. However, um, in dealing with vaccination, this is something which is uh, totally different. We know that uh, in terms of the National Health Act, uh, I mean a person has to give a consent. Before a doctor examine or do something to you, you have to give a consent. Now in this regard, a person who has to be vaccinated has to give a consent. Now um, if the employers are to force their employees, to undergo vaccination, this is going to be a contravention of a number of uh, 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 acts. However, the situation is uh, such that, uh, remember that in terms of the, uh, the law, as an employer, you are bound to uh, keep your workplace to be healthy, free from diseases, free from hazards. In terms of the Mind Health and Safety Act, you should take uh, whatever or the reasonable practical steps to ensure that um, your workplace is uh, healthy, free from disease, and end. Now, in such situations, what do you do? Now, uh, I would recommend in that in such that uh, the employer should come up with uh, policies in respect of wherein they encourage uh, their employees to undergo such uh, vaccination. Uh, education is going to, to play an important role, Incent- incentives is going to play an important role. Therefore, I have noted that, in for instance, in America, certain employees or certain employers have given their employees uh, two extra days uh, without deducting any of their pay if they are to undergo vaccination. Uh, in certain countries, I've also noted that the employers have uh, uh, have offered employ- employees bonuses for them to undergo such. Now, it's a question of convincing and encouraging your uh, uh, your employees to undergo such treatment. However, it should be noted that indirectly, you can bar a person who has not under, uh, who has not been uh, vaccinated to, to be uh, in your workplace. You can do it such that um, uh, 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 because of, you suspect that he is probably having covid or he's got the symptoms of covid and and, and Place. You will convince them to provide you with proof that they underwent um, uh, treatment or they underwent vaccination, and as such, they could enter the workplace. Uh, uh, it is a contentious issue. I am of the view that uh, the matter will sooner or later be before courts. Uh, it will be contentious. It raises various constitutional questions. And I'm also of the view that it will sooner or later be before the constitutional court for determination, and that, that will give us direction. But uh, 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 for now, it's important to note that um, uh, 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 as an employer, education plays a very important role. Uh, encouragement plays an important role. Factors such as um, uh, giving employees uh, bonuses and or and, uh, discouraging them to come to workplace if they have not under if they have not been vaccinated play an important role. Therefore. Uh, uh, it is very imperative at this instance that the the employers should be very vigilant. And uh, I suggest, or I propose that they should start, actually they should start now, to encourage their employees to undergo uh, such vaccination. But very important, remember that um, the rollout is only going to be done by the government. Therefore, the employers will technically, for now, uh, it will be impossible for them to roll out such process, it will be done by the government, but the employers will have to play an important role in encouraging their uh, staff members, uh, their employers, that they should undergo or should be vaccinated for them to be free from these diseases and to encourage them that uh, ultimately the workplace will be free from any diseases and or hazards.
0: I would certainly agree that it is in every employer's interest to make sure that as many as possible of the employers indeed get vaccinated. I know a lot of employers, in any event, on a yearly basis, encourage and actually also pay for the normal flu vaccines to be uh, given to their employees to also maybe help a bit to have healthy staff, etc. And I, I'm, I'm sure that the same principle should uh, apply to, to um, you know, the COVID-19 uh, vaccine so positive encouragement encouragement i guess is 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 the is a message from you you but the short answer to whether you can force an employee to uh, get the vaccinations is actually no you 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 can't in your opinion
2: yes i i, I agree with you it's no because of uh, it, it will be against the constitution. It will be against the National Health Act. It will be against the integrity of the person. Therefore, you will be encroaching upon people's rights. But, however, indirectly, you can make the situation such so that they are forced to go to, to for vaccination, such as not permitting them to come to a place and uh, 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 encourage them to go for vaccination.
0: Okay. All right. I think that uh, makes it clear. Thank you. We'll be That's all we have uh, time for today. Remember, our email address is info at vvd.co.za. Thanks for uh, listening. Uh, make sure that you tune in again next week, Wednesday, between 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock, and then also on Friday evenings.